Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. So today on the show, we're going to talk about American Horror Story Season 9. 1984. 1984. So this is a show, this isn't, what to do, what to do. This is like the year they did the slasher, right? Like the summer camp slasher is the original premise. Obviously lots of other things happen, but this is the 1980s summer camp slasher season. Mid 80s. Yeah, 1984. That was the time. <laughs> that was the time. Like between 83 and 86, I think, is when a lot of these were made. Yes, it's a heyday. Um, what I will say right out of the gate is they're, they do this 1980s found footage type of uh, main title sequence that... Oh, my God. I actually... I mean, as far as American Horror Story is concerned, I don't really like it because I always look forward to their opening sequences being like really creative and amazing. And it's just not. I skipped over it every time. Really? (laughs) See, I was I was caught in the. Mixed sort of dissonance of like the creepy music and the girl (laughs) aerobicizing like, yeah, I really loved the beginning, but I, but I think, um, you're right. It's not necessarily an American horror story opening, but I, this is one of the first times I've watched the opening every time. Every time. Okay. See, so that's there, therein lies. Yeah. That's good. I like it sometimes when we disagree on stuff because yeah. that probably represents people listening. Like, I, well, I just, really liked it. Well, I really hated it. It captured the decade really well, um, and then it had this really creepy music playing. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, so. So that I guess if if we start there, um, the eighties were really shoved down our throat during the first, I would say, <laughs> like four or five episodes. I texted Shannon. I start. I started before you did. <laughs> Yes. Neither one of us had watched this series yet. And so I text her, I go, you just wait for the first episode. There's so much aerobics and mullets yes. and dolphin shorts. The guys on in their men. dolphin shorts. <laughs> and cut off t-shirts. Yes. Like I have a lot of photos. And Reebok high tops. Yes. I have a lot of photos from the 80s with my peers looking like that, like men with crop tops and dolphin shorts on. And, re- and, and Reebok like, high tops. And mullety type. Oh, yes, I have those. I have lots of blackmail material from that because and then I had the gigantic hair. Yeah. So there's lots of big hair, um, lots of blue eyeshadow. So I was still a kid. I know I was I'm older. So like lots of tights, lots of um, tights with bodysuits. I was like Saturday morning cartoons and E.T., yeah, I had the Reebok shoes. I had the dolphin shorts, which I looked pretty I fabulous in. I mean, and I don't. Adidas. I don't think men should wear them, but no, I think no, they, they looked not. great on me. Let's put it that yeah. way. Okay. Um. So yeah, it was. But I will say, I I don't know how you look at this season, but I kind of break it up into the first half and the second half mm. because the first half. The 80s were definitely <laughs> shoved down our throat in a big way. So if you don't like the 80s or 
if you lived in the 80s, a lot of your representation is there, but it's also the over top, over the top well, part of the 80s. I, I, it was I, not subtle at all. <laughs> I think the ratings were based on relatability mm-hmm. um, because uh, I'm just going to say, I'm going to lead with this and we'll do, get into it. Do it. It was not a great series. No. <laughs> but I loved watching it for the relatability piece. If yeah. I was a child of the 60s or a child of the 90s, I probably wouldn't have really found it to be that. It like wasn't great. that great. It really yeah. wasn't that great. Right, right, right. Yeah. A lot of um oh my god, they did that or oh my god, yeah, that's how it was or oh mm-hmm. my and then like, well, yeah, some people had it like that, but we were all just kind of regular. We didn't all, you know, it was it, it, it was over the top and that's fine. It was fun. That's fine. I mean, I, I was entertained by it, but I it think, wasn't, yeah. you know. I think the first half of it um, went on a bit too long. I think that first half of the season, like they could have knocked that out in three instead of four or five episodes, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. s- like the summer camp, the slasher part of it. It was fine and fun and everything. I just, uh, I don't know. It felt like, so I'm looking at the first half of it, which is, which is the half where they did the, like a lot of eighties, a lot of summer camp slasher. It felt more like glee to me than American <laughs> horror story. And it's yes. Ryan, it's all Ryan Murphy. Right. But like, it, it felt yep. just more like glee. I hear you. Me. That's a great, that's a great thing. Cause it's like all these like in, glee in a haunted house. All these young people uh, in a theater camp experiment. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. If you would have just moved the glee cast. Yep, because the acting was a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. The the sets, and maybe that's what they were going for. Like the sets and the different things were a little over the top, a little on the nose. But I do think it went on a bit too long before they got to like the meat of. I also feel like there were just too many storylines. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I. You know, one of the things that I've gotten used to about American Horror Story, so I had the joy of um, watching Cult and Apocalypse and then 1984 kind of in a two-week period. So I started to see, you know, when you binge things like that, you really see the overarching, like the tropes and the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. And what I know now about American Horror Story, and I will be, you know, realizing this the next time I watch one of the seasons, which, you know, there's several more to come. So is that the first three or four episodes are almost always like never my jam. Like I know that I've got to get to the part where it gets weird or like there's the big twist. It's Mm -hmm. like they usually take somewhere between two and four episodes to give you the base of it. Like I'm thinking of apocalypse, like where there's this, it's one thing and I'm, and then what happens is I think, okay, I can't watch this for 10 seasons for 10 episodes or 12 episodes. Mm -hmm. And then it shifts. And so Mm -hmm. now I know that that's kind of happening. Interesting. They do this bait and it happened in all the seasons, every season since the beginning, it's like, it's one thing. And then there's that twist that happens where the world kind of shifts into something else. And then I'm usually in it. Hmm. But those first few episodes. Yeah. I I think that that's just how I compartmentalize it. Like I like that um, because I know, especially with Asylum, it gets brutal real quick. And then I'm like, okay, can we go back to the first episode? (laughs) No, no, that's just the arc. And here's the thing that I do every time, because I like to, to, like have a snack or eat popcorn or something when I'm watching <laughs> the blood. I'm like, why do I fucking eat every time I watch this show? <laughs> you know, the ears slice. I, I literally, I was eating something. I don't know what it was, but I remember putting it down going, God damn. Every time mm-hmm. I watch this, 
Mm-hmm. This happens, and I should know better because it's American <laughs> Horror Story, and it's I gory. Know. I know it happens to me too. It just—I laugh mostly because I was watching some. Our um, next week, we're doing the like our top hor- ten, top ten. Well, you know, horror movies from the 2010 to 2019 show, yeah. and I so I rewatched a few to see like, is this really one of my favorites? And, then I was rewatching one of them and it was the same thing. I was literally having my breakfast while yeah. I was watching it, which of course, you know, my bad that yeah. I was like watching horror movies in the morning. But <laughs> but if it's your Saturday morning cartoons. Many of you do, yeah. I'm sure. Any those of you who are into it. I finished it. one this morning. <laughs> yeah. I watched one this morning too. <clears throat> um but I did that same thing. I was like t- literally taking a bite of like my eggs and potatoes while there's like body horror in was front of me. Was there sriracha on it? And I was just like, oh, man. If there's like sriracha on it, it's even worse. I sort of had to set it aside. Like, yeah. I know. Mm. That's what I did. I found my, th- this was a gory series. And I think yes. clearly because it slashers. was, yeah. it was slashers. And I feel like they did. Um, I, now, I thought the soundtrack was great. Um, and I, I'm not giving anything away when I say it was the first season that I got a little teary eyed at the very end when they played Mike and the Mechanics Aww, living the years song, yeah. and it, and it really like made it, the, the lyrics was the story. I mean, it yeah. was pretty awesome that they did that. Yeah. Cause that's, pretty a, awesome. that's not a song. A lot of people know. I used to listen to that song when I was a kid. Yeah. It's like, um, there's always in every season, you know, um, I have my favorite seasons. I have, I think they're like really solid season. They're never, there's never a perfect season. That's just TV. Nothing's perfect. It's always, it's always like this one's better than that one type of thing. And now we're getting into nine seasons of this. And since they're mostly, they can be standalone. Although I think now in nine seasons, we're starting to lose a little, if you haven't watched the previous ones, cause they're doing like callbacks to coven and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because Coven is by and large like the crowd favorite season. Um, I think they're also smart in using Jessica Lang intermittently now to yeah. like call people back. Yeah. Because Evan Peters and Jessica Lang are two of the biggest stars of the show. And I think now they're intentionally, mm-hmm. all right, we'll leave them out this season and then we'll bring everybody back. And then everyone's going to come back full force when we bring them back in. It's really, it's a really, it's really smart, mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, and, you know, you, and it's also crowd driven. Like, one of the things, like me saying that the first three, uh, three, four episodes, like that's the arc of every season. That's the formula. And formulas are what pe- bring people back. So it's like Ryan Murphy's, you know, smart to do that in that he brings them back. And so it wouldn't be American Horror Story if you didn't have the sympathetic killer, um, the over-sexualized, desirable psychopath. Like mm-hmm. that's... That's a piece of this. Mm-hmm. Um, every single season has had, and one- then ghosts and Satan always play a part in it too. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> every season has had like one to six sympathetic, um, sexy sociopaths. That's mm-hmm. like the trope, mm-hmm. and and also every season has this arc that I'm talking about, where it's like they really they really create this like base with one to three seasons of the the world, just like the you mean one to three episodes. Sorry, one to three episodes of like the, it's like, um, it's like Campbell's heroic journey. They're doing the like known world and then they move into the not known world and then back to the known world. It's like a very common like story. Um, it works. That's why we do it. Yeah. <laughs> it works. It, that's why we do it in entertainment. So you got that. You've also got the sexy desirable killers um, of which 1984 has one. Several. 
Yeah. <laughs> Several. Several. But uh, most notably Ramirez. Well, and and this was, um, there's a lot of revenge fantasy mm-hmm. in this season. Yeah. Uh, I think. And why there were maybe some characters created around Ramirez and then, we are going to have some spoilers in here, guys. There's no way. For so, me yeah. To- so here's we're going to start with spoilers. So that's yeah. our def. That's like the end of our like if you're American Horror Story fan, of course, watch it. We're all watching every season. But was it a great season? No, I think it was hit or miss. If you're a child of the 80s, it's awesome, especially the first half. Um, is there any other overarching things you'd say? Uh, no, I mean, I think no, this was just a, an amazing and memorable time in yeah. horror films. So yeah. why it was made at this time, but it was also, and this is now we're kind of moving into, if you don't want to hear what's going on or yeah. what happened Spoilers. in this season, it's also a time where, and I think they say this in the series too, you know, in the sixties, the world was going to end because of aliens in the eighties, it was going to end because of serial killers. So not only do we have slasher movies in the eighties, we are at the heightened peak of we're coming off Manson. We're going into Ramirez and Bundy and all of that. So you add the serial killer piece to it. And like you've been saying, Shannon, this was really centered around Richard Ramirez and some of it factual and some of it uh, fictional, um, but I think so much was uh, what I thought the irony was how they d- depicted him as the literal devil because people really believed, and we've talked about uh, evil, right, um, versus like mental illness and yeah. things like that, but that's how he was depicted in this is he was, uh, which his beliefs, if you go back to the, ep- the the series that I did, you know, so much of his beliefs were that Satan was going to reward him for this. They really brought that in and had him become the son of Satan in this. So Yeah, I mean, so maybe some of you don't watch American Horror Story at all, but you're just like to listen to our episodes, but um, they they will depict real killers in you know people who we know in history are real killers like the mansons or the koresh or whatever and even evan peters is usually the one that plays them but in this yeah. one they got a different actor cuz and can i just say he didn't really look like ramirez but he fucking sounded like him yeah he had his intonation everything he, down if, if this doesn't sound too weird he felt like him he felt like yeah. the essence of him or the well, way he would know, art- i don't know him but yeah. well when you watch um interviews with him how mm-hmm. he articulated things he really studied him you could tell yeah and i didn't think the way he looked was that off no like, he's just better looking than yeah Ramirez was. Wait, so yeah. so that's kind of where i'm going with this is um the sexy desirable killers mm-hmm. that they have the um Okay, so the tropes in American Horror Story around this is like the sexy, desirable killer who is trapped in a tragic love story. This has been done every, almost every season for American Horror Story. Um, so, and the romantici- romanticization, is that a word? Okay. Um, or the sympathy for a real life, horrible, horrible human being. Yeah. 
So this is, so FYI, this is no, this is the most they've ever done it as far as I'm concerned. Like they, they had Ramirez as a real character, not just like in one episode where they're having dinner in the hotel or one episode where, you know, they're showing found footage of it. But Richard Ramirez is an ongoing every, almost every episode after the first few. Right. And to just give a little context to that, um, this series really it's almost like um when you think of a, a native american um what do they call like reservation like when they die on this camp their ghosts are then trapped there well and that's another ahs trope right. is that they, they can never he, ryan murphy can never let the characters die no 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 the ghosts are yeah that's why i said <laughs> this, the ghost themes and the satan theme so on this camp they get trapped um and people are coming and going but ramirez ends up being um one of these ghosts that comes back. What I think is awesome is he really gets his hell in the end, which is every time he wakes up, the ghosts then just murder him again. And he just feels hell for the, which this is, here's the revenge fantasy of how many people would have loved to see this actually happen. Richard Ramirez. Yeah. I think that's the like playing to the audience piece of this is that mm. he, he like meaning Ryan Murphy, like, over romant overly romanticized Ramirez, which somebody some people will have feelings about, um, and I know that they have feelings about. And then he, I, I mean, we're sort of saying this season wasn't as that great, um, so it doesn't exactly f fulfill what you're really wanting. But I totally agree with you as far as like, and then so he overly romanticized it, and then he's trying to deliver like what we would all hope Ramirez's ultimate hell would be, mm -hmm. right? All within the American Horror Story tropes, which is characters don't die. It's like Murder House. Like they just, they, yeah. they stick around. And I get that from a from a writer point of view, like a series point of view, because like if they die, you can't use them. <laughs> They're all ghosts like Jessica Lange or something, you know, like they all have little callbacks and she has an awesome callback. Oh, she, yeah, season. yeah. But she's all, like when she shows up, I'm like, oh, goody. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love, <laughs> I love the scene though, when all the ghosts get their chance at every time he they kill him and he wakes back up. They just mutilate him again. So the rest of eternity, he's just getting. So that was satisfying. He's getting back what mm -hmm. he did, you know, to his victims. So that was clever. Yeah. They recreated the hotel scene and the scene in the liquor store where he first, get, first gets noticed by the old women. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of like, they pulled a lot of historical facts about how he was caught um, and, and how far he ran. So they pulled a lot of like real so they show a lot of that. Yeah, there's like both fictionalized and and that's always what's kind of creepy about representation, fictionalized representation of these guys is that it's always a little bit creepy because they take some facts and then they take a lot of license with it. Like, um, so for those of you who haven't listened to it, we did a four part series on Ramirez recently. So mm -hmm. Go back and hear the real deal if you I want. I do an episode <laughs> just on his capture, which is... Yeah, so go back yeah. and listen to those. Those were interesting conversations. What I would say, what I do want to add is like, um, he was in a he was a huge fan of Billy Idol, so that's in there. He did have a foot fetish, so that's in there. Mm -hmm. So they pull these little like personal details from his interviews and things um, and add them. And then they have him be this like likable person for some of the episodes, which is sort of a disturbing experience as an audience member. <laughs> like he's kind of hot and and that's all and and he's kind of likable in this moment and you're like he's vulnerable and he has feelings and then you're like 
but that's rich supposed to be rich you know you just get this. well and murphy he does a good job at bringing the humor into it like when kaja yeah. gets to the <laughs> <laughs> I and, love they, that. and they murder kaja she's like they murdered kaja <laughs> and then but then nobody dies so then kaja like playing their song out yeah. back <laughs> oh my god Shasha. so he's like it was this one hit wonder um i had a thought awesome. and I, oh i, I I thought maybe this might be a good place to take a break because I want to come back and talk about the character of Benjamin Richter mm-hmm. and the mental health piece. Please, let's okay. do. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first, stick around for more of our show. Benjamin. Yeah, so he was, uh, what do they call him, Jingles? Yes, Mr. Jingles, which Jeez. is supposed to be Bundy, right? Is that who he was supposed to be? Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. How did they draw that? <laughs> I don't know, but that's I think that's who he was supposed to be. There's like new... flavor of it, I don't know. With the whole mommy thing? I mean, that's weird because that, that whole story doesn't even. I don't know. So what did you want to say about him? Um, well, I thought he was an interesting character. To me, he represented more of the guy in the slicker from I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's why I don't know how oh, they... Oh, cool. I don't know how they dragged Bundy into that. They didn't have the same <laughs> background. Um, Yeah, he was this pawn used to cover up. Um, Yeah. But I think the way that they depicted just the psych hospitals back in that day mm-hmm. and the electroshock therapy, how he had lost his memory um, and forced to believe something that never happened. That character was just interesting. Like when you talk about the movie you watched. Um, I think I'm thinking of a different character in this, in this series. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But there was a, there was somebody that was based on Bundy. I'll look it oh, up. Are you talking about I'll um, look it up while Dur- we... uh, D- Dylan McDermott's character? Yeah, he was actually Bundy, right? He, sorry. Yeah, I was yeah, sorry. yeah. I was I like, got, what? Was okay, sorry. yeah, you're talking about the hitchhiker. I got confused. Yeah, no, Jingles was the, the guy that ends up having the son who yeah. goes back and, and yep. finding his ghost and makes peace with that. I actually liked that storyline. That was the one storyline that was kind of nice to follow, and it was sad, yeah. and there was like, and I think that's why when the series ended, and I forget the actor's name, but he played Dandy in Freak Show mm-hmm. and he was in Hotel. I love him. I, he's he, really good. He's like my Evan Peters. of the, Every time he's on, I'm like, I love him. Um, <laughs> he's really but good. He plays the son. And I love that scene where he comes back and uh, to the campground after when he's looking for his dad. So before I get to that, mm-hmm. Jingles plays this quote unquote serial killer. When you watch the series in the first episode, you believe that he's the one who slashed up all of the campers and yeah. then gets sent away. And then you find out, you know, four, five episodes in and it's actually Margaret and she used him. That's the twist. Yeah. Used his vulnerability and his love for her and all that. To, and that's what and, shifts yeah. it from like summer camp slasher, right. Yep. Of like the, the Friday, the 13th guy, 
who's coming in or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like and killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's what's that's literally the You're plot like, oh, point that shifts shit, she's it into the crazy. second half. Yeah, yeah. and like, Billy oh. Lord turns then too, and you find out she's with Ramirez, and so yeah, then it just shifts. It into, just it, and that there are too many storylines, but anyway. He, I like this storyline because when he, he, um, gets framed and sent to the hospital, when he comes back to the camp and he runs into the ghost of his mother, um, because you find out that he was present when his little brother drowned back in like the fifties and his mother never forgave him for that. But then they have that peaceful moment when they both become ghosts. And I don't know. I liked that. I liked part that. Of the story I line. liked that part of the story too. It was, um, the heartfelt part. It was because once you figure out that he, it was actually this, um, bully girl that was the master psychopath of the season. Um, and so it wasn't Mr. Jingles and he was literally a pawn a and pawn. he was literally duped into killing all these people because after years in the psych hospital in jail or whatever, he, he had convinced himself that he had actually done it. So mm-hmm. then, so then the whole first several episodes are him coming back to the camp and killing all these new people. And then all of a sudden there's this moment where he realizes it wasn't him the first time around. Mm-hmm. And it's a little convenient, of course, then that like all of a sudden then he stops, you know, he just isn't yeah, <laughs> a, and a then bad he, guy anymore. You but you find out he has a son and on the outside yeah. of the camp, his son um, years down the road, he grows up. Who This is, the guy who plays dandy in freak show, mm-hmm. he comes back to the camp and, you know, they're all ghosts though. So they're all stuck, like looking like they're in the eighties. And, um, Margaret, yep. Margaret, I think it's no Billy Lord shows up. I forget her character's name. And mm-hmm. she sees him and she's like, what is that? And he's got the iPhone and she's like, that is so, I don't remember what eighties word she uses, but anyway, he, you know, he finds his, the ghost of his father and gets to say goodbye and then they play the Mike and the mechanic song. And that's when I cried. Ah, uh, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, but that storyline worked for me. Yep. No, I liked it too. I thought, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I liked. Um, I, Emma Roberts was good in it. I thought, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought she was really good in it. I thought the actors were funny and fun and, and good. And I enjoyed that part of it. And, um, I enjoyed that. You know, we never get old. Um, the trope of the psychologist did it never got never gets old. So around episode three or four, you real you figure out that the the psychologist is actually part of the whole plot. Yeah. I mean, she ends up being a hero in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, all the characters turn. All the characters like flip on their axis for the second half. Mm-hmm. Kind of almost all of them. She's good and then you think she's bad and then she <laughs> redeems herself and she gets Emma Roberts out because then Emma Roberts gets framed for yeah. Margaret too. Yes, everybody get fr- It's like, oh, I remember episode three came. This is what I was talking about as I get like fatigued in episode three or four and I start to wait for the thing to shift. Yeah. Every every season I'm like, okay, like, come I get on. It. I get it. Like now, yeah. Get into the thing where it's not what it was was originally, because um, it's like, oh yes, oh it's the black psychologist lady's fault. She's the yeah. one that's really pulling the strings, and then it's um, the bullied girls. She's the one that's pulling the strings. It's like all of these women that are actually really pulling the strings, even with yeah. Ramirez. You know, yeah. yeah, all the girls are bad. Yeah. And then um, the psychologist, it turns out that the psychologist's dad was a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And that's why she became a psychologist. So okay. Oh, she, that's right. She walks in. Yeah. And he's murdering. He's he catching the, him like cutting up a girl. 
Yeah, and he's got all those photos, those Polaroids up on the wall. Yeah, and then we realized that that's why she became a psychologist. And then she's also working in the insane asylum with all the forensic crazies. So, Kathy, was there something you'd like to tell us about the reason why? (laughs) I think that's why I like Richter's character, though, because he was so misunderstood. And we see that a lot, you know, being forced to believe that you're dangerous. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, Did you have thoughts or feelings about the Ramirez representation in general? Did you have a, were you just amused by it? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, like I said, I think the actor did a really good job at, at the mannerisms and how he articulated and his intonations and the way he spoke. I think he really studied Ramirez and for, for uh, an American horror stories series, I was really impressed by like how much he actually became him because we've talked before about like how Manson was portrayed. And I think it was um, once upon a time in Hollywood. And I just, I thought he was kind of shitty and one dimensional Mm -hmm. after like that whole lead up and you're like, that's it. Yeah. Um, But this, I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that or no Manhunter? That's where we thought he was. I think it was oh, one yeah, of those. Yeah, 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 yeah that, one of those. the guy who played. He's Manson. been portrayed a hundred million. Yeah, times. but that particularly, I was like really waiting because that was supposed to be a big part, and then it ended up not being very good. But I thought this guy did a really good job. Um, I thought that they, he wasn't. I mean, I think they watered him down to be mm-hmm. who. Yes, he was. I mean, he was a sexual sadist and he was a psychopath and he was, but then they, they added their own kind of. Well, they had him like falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. They added their own kind of, they romanticized it a little bit. Yeah. It's the sexy romanticized empathetic serial killer that American Horror Story embraces. (laughs) And he was way more (laughs) primitive and, and. I don't know. He, it was hard. It, yeah. I, he was way more disorganized than. than yes. It, yes. He was, um, it was a little hard at first for me. It was a little difficult. I had a little bit of a herky jerky like entry into it. And then after an episode or two, I was like, okay, Shannon, like calm down and just like watch it and be amused by mm-hmm. the fact that this is fiction and that, you know, that this is fiction because there is a little bit of, you know, if, if we start to regularly talk about mental health representation on this show, which I think we've always touched on, but if we sort of go into the water of that, the lake of that on a regular basis, I would say that I could see how some people would be really very offended by the representation mm-hmm. because it is romanticized. And and I guess I should say if we had not done that Ramirez series I I probably would have taken it a lot lighter, but Absolutely. after after four hours of hearing, you know, really you really laying everything out, um, and us really um, well pathologizing him, like taking the pathology and looking at it, and and they did and show a little bit of it. his childhood. I was impressed by that. Mm-hmm. They showed like his. They showed his cousin, mm-hmm. who was responsible for a lot. Yes, they so that. I knew the story because right. of what we did, de- we, what right. we had done. I was like, oh, that 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 sort of that's a representation of something that could have happened. Kind I mean, of if, thing. You, if if there are people listening who want to watch American Horror Story and haven't listened to our Ramirez yet, it might be more fun for you to mm-hmm. watch if you've listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's or if you don't sure. know as much about him and that's a quick way, those four four series that we did to I mean four episode series that we did to 
Maybe yeah. listen to that before you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Just because for us, for me in particular, because I didn't sit with the material for two months, like working on it, but then learned from Kathy and listened and talked about it and then did a few of my, I watched a few documentaries and stuff as well, just to, so that I didn't sound like a total idiot and didn't... <laughs> Well, I might have still sounded like a total idiot, but I just um, gave us some context. I, I gave it some context, and yeah, it's um. So it was. I can say that uh, although I don't, I'm not a person that generally gets offended. So I wasn't offended by the representation mm-hmm. or anything, but I could see how people might be that um, are. You know, there is a large community of people that um are advocates for mental health awareness and then also um talk about mental illness representation quite a bit and have very strong opinions about these kinds of things being um represented now i will say i there is a line for me for sure but usually it just crosses over into me being annoyed and irritated and not wanting to watch something like Mm -hmm. um that horrible movie the haunting of sharon tate yeah Um, you said it was bad i never watched it's really bad but beyond bad so because I know so much about Manson mm-hmm. and the murders and the victims, um, I was, I, I can't use the word offended. Cause I, like I said, it's, that's, that's a difficult line for me to cross to be offended. But I was like, I, I just, I was judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I was like, this is so not necessary. Yeah. Like to, to simply do a recreation of all of the murders of something that really happened yeah. seems just so unnecessary yes. and offensive. Yes. And I can see how it's just offensive. Like I'm thinking n- none of us need to recreate no. that in, in our visual field. There are great books and I talked about a couple of them. There are great books. If you want to look at it from a, um, from a forensic um, psychology mm-hmm. way, if you want to look at it from a criminal, pers- you know, the cops, the lawyers, they've all written books. Or even movies that that touch on it. Yes, and, and exactly. Like, once upon a time in Hollywood, yes. they, they, they <laughs> did a very dark, you know, yes. comedic twist to it. But the point of that was also the revenge, the fantasy, revenge fantasy that they weren't yep. trying to sensationalize. And I think I think maybe that's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. I don't know if that's what you're saying, but sometimes it can borderline sensationalizing it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Nobody needs that in their visual field. It's the same reason for me personally. I have a hard time watching movies with rape and I won't even watch Handmaid's Tale as great as, as it is. Like I don't need that in my visual field unless mm-hmm. there's a revenge fantasy tied to it. So yeah, that was a, that was a horrific, um, horrific thing that happened. The Tate LaBianca murders. And I, I don't know why people would want to sit through it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I sat through it because I, I want to be able to talk about it. But yeah. Like, but there are people don't want it. But it was torture. Yeah. 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 But it was, but it was like, because we do this podcast and because I want to be up to date on like serial killer and mental health representation and horror movies. But man, like, it was definitely one of those. Sometimes I say this on the show, like, I watch this so you don't have to. Um, it was definitely one of those. Yeah. Like, yeah, works. We're good. No one needs to watch it. But that's the point. So that's kind of what I was saying about this Ramirez representation. I think if you, I get that maybe people not versed in a lot of this might get offended. But what I would say is that if you 
if you know American Horror Story and you're a fan of the show, you realize that this is a trope. In other words, that there are sexy, empathetic serial killers and killers that they use in every season, every time. It's like one of the things that they do. And so there's a part of that for me that I've just become accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's good. It's not, it's neither good nor bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people might say, oh, well, that's bad. You don't want to become accustomed to that. But I have. And I do watch American Horror Story like it's a horror soap opera. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. I mean, that that's how I look at it. And so I guess for me, I can compartmentalize the Ramirez representation as a soap opera character that happens to be based in a real life guy that was horrendous. Well, and I also think that they didn't, what they didn't do was they didn't relive any of the actual murders. Exactly. They made their own story. Exactly. Which is different. You're exactly right. That yeah. that's that's definitely the difference. It's because like they his, did a little bit. His of stuff, stuff was incredibly but... graphic. And if they would have done that, I there there would have been more room to be offended. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So uh, exploiting pe- people real people who died. Agreed. Um I know you were talking about how you like the little assistant guy. Oh Courtney. <laughs> Leslie Allen, I think it's Allen. Something, something. God, he's <laughs> f- so funny. Um, and he was also in Roanoke, but he played, yeah, with his hair mm-hmm. and his heels and his little twang. He's and like his the accent. Andy Warhol. Yes, but like four foot, four, four feet tall. So Andy Warhol is in this as well. He, you know, they, t- they, you know, that's another thing about American Horror Story is they take history and they put it in the shows. And so uh, they take murder and victim history and they put it in the shows. And so um, uh, Andy Warhol is in this. When? Oh, maybe that's a di- what episode? Wait, what season am I in? The one where um, uh, Lena Dunham shoots Annie Warhol in the face? Nope. <laughs> okay, not this not series. this one. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I'm he, getting confused. yeah, he uh, he's really funny in this. Yeah, playing her assistant because the the two of them together are such a hot mess because she thinks she's more important than she is, <laughs> and then he's just right by her side all over. Uh, he, right, he's funny. He's funny. He is funny. Um, and they do portray Bundy. So what did you what did you think of Dylan McDermott's Bundy in this? He, he uh, again, you know, like that's why I had a hard time trying to figure out who you were talking about. And then when you said it, I'm like, oh, OK, that I get. So the whole like hitchhiking. Yeah, I've obviously gotten confused a few times because I watched three seasons yes. in two weeks. <laughs> the hitchhiking, charismatic, um, overly sexed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Dylan McDermott's a good. And he um, was like suave, you know, he was yeah. like, he was way more suave and handsome and yes. fabulous than Bundy, which is exactly what we're talking about with Ramirez. Like right. way more integrated, way more organized, way more um, like attractive, not creepy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, I it was, um, he's, I don't know. He's always fun to watch on yeah. these. So. And I'm sorry, Lena Dunham was in the cult. Um, cult series yeah she was in the yeah, cult yeah, series yeah. she had a great part in that but we're yeah. not talking about that today yeah but i was um no it was good he was good i mean he was only in the last few episodes but he was good yeah i just thought it was a fun addition to um you know since we talk about matthew morrison was here. kind of fun too you know he plays like the mm-hmm. the athlete who slashed close to being a porn star 80s <laughs> 
Again, ah. you go from like his teacher on Glee. <laughs> yeah. So just like in a sweater vest every day yes. to like his penis hanging out of his dolphin he shorts. He was great. He was like the, he was, yeah, he just had a big penis apparently. Yeah. And they talked about it a lot. And he wore that first, that first scene where he comes in and he's got the dolphin short on and he looks like he has like a minor elephant in his pants. <laughs> I was just like, oh my goodness. But that is a little bit what it was like in the 80s with the dolphin And shorts. his mustache. <laughs> yeah, the whole the thing. stash. He just, yeah, he looked like a and child like, molester. Rico Suave kind oh, of like, God. I'm an aerobic structure narcissism oh, where you're like, so dude, disgusting. that is not actually impressive. No, not even a, <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> There's a lot of... And I he guess, lies about the videos he's in. He's like, well, yeah. I was in, you know... I, I can't remember. He was really doing gay porn or yes, something. I, yeah, <laughs> they were trying to get him to do gay porn. <laughs> I just think that's what um, I, I do like that. I do tend to, I guess the one thing I would say about 1984, even though it's not one of my, it's probably like midfield if I'm reading. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was fun. Seasons. But one of the things I do like about it a lot of times is when there's a humor aspect. Oh, there to was the a, it was funny. This one was way more on the humor spectrum because mm-hmm. it's um, the 80s than a lot of the other seasons. Actually. They could play with the, the costumes and the hair and the music and the makeup <laughs> and the, the lingo. And there's a lot to make fun of. Yeah. And I and I and we do like to see the um, I think one of the things I got excited about when I first heard about this season was one, the 80s. I thought, oh, that'll yep. be super fun. And then the other thing I got excited about was that I had like Dylan McDermott and Jessica Lang and like the different people were um, coming into this. Yeah. Season. Well, she didn't. She didn't. And that's what I'm saying is her, her and um, Evan Peters, they oh, didn't that's put right. in. And I think they'll be in the next one. And that's what I was saying earlier is Ryan Murphy does a really good job at going, well, make them wait. And then they'll all come back again. Right. Um, And like I said, I keep getting confused because I watched those three seasons in a row. And that is what I like. I like it when I can look forward to that. Yeah. And so they shake the cast. They use the same and they kind of roll the dice and go, all right, you two are out for this season. And yeah, I think it was, um, cult where jessica lane came back or something yeah and then kathy bates comes and goes yeah so they do a really good job i think with making people go who's going to be in it this time yeah you know sarah paulson wasn't in this one no no a lot of people weren't but there was um dylan but then there was a couple of performances that were really great or stand out there were still regulars in here yep yeah just newer, newer, new-ish regulars, I guess. Um, Lily Ray by Love, she was in this one. I mean, yeah, she plays the the lady in white. She plays Richter's mom. Yeah. yeah, I do like it when they when they bring back. And I know season ten is on the docket, so yep. Um, that's going to conclude our conversation of American Horror Story, unless we remember something during the break, and we'll come back and do our what the hell. So we'll be right back. We're back. I uh, I did find the Kaja Goo Goo. So right, here we go. Oh, oh, oh. It's so bad. Yeah, you should see the video. So we were talking about crop tops and mullets. There's a crop top represented. He looks, a like, he looks like Courtney on the show. Yeah. Oh, oh, and then the girl. Oh, God, it's so bad. Ooh, and the Casio. Oh, oh always a Casio okay. keyboard. My God, he, his hair looks like a That's fountain. That. I don't okay. want to get copyright dinged or anything, but <sighs> I had to play a little Kaja Gugu because 
It's you know, I love that they brought out of all the artists they brought Kaja Gugu on, there. and there's I the love humor. It too. I love it yeah. too. Amazing. All right, so so that was a what the hell, basically. Like, yeah. What the hell, man? What the but, hell? But um, I also um, would you like to start with your what the hell? I, today? Yeah, I have two really short ones. Cool. This one's called the case of the not so devoted dad. Okay. Um, bring your child to work day is a long honored tradition that allows children to see what goes on in the business world while also getting the chance to watch their parents apply their trade. Mm. Uh, one crook brought his young son along with him on a job, which happened to be robbing a pet shop. Uh, he was caught soon after, uh, minus something important, his son. So he brought his son mm. along on a robbery. Like, here, son, let me show you what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the first guy. Cool. Um, the second one. Well, is, wait, and then lost him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. yes, yes, and lost him. <laughs> okay, sorry. What the hell? All right, go ahead. The second one is called the couple that drinks together. This is this one's really funny. It's like two sentences, but I think it's hilarious. But not <laughs> recently, a woman in Fresno, California, was stopped at a DUI checkpoint for being soused. Every ever helpful, she offered up this info. My husband's right behind me, and he's even drunker than I am. <laughs> I like your, I like your representation of. Uh, Can you imagine the, co- the cop? Like uh, my husband's right behind me. He's even drunker than I am. <laughs> Smart, as we know, the frontal lobe is always working really well yeah. when we're wasted. <laughs> and if I were the husband, I'd be like, "Fuck you, very much. Yeah, Thank you. Fuck yeah. you." And we're divorced. Yeah, okay. there you go. Yeah, not that they're getting divorced. Sounds like they're made for each other. Short and sweet. <laughs> okay. Uh, in 2015, Christopher Wallace, a 25-year-old from Maine. So we've gone northern this time. Mm. Northern America, for those international listeners, was on the run from police after allegedly stealing cooking equipment. So, for one, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Huh? Okay. Uh, having successfully evaded police for weeks after stealing cooking equipment. Sorry. Okay. Um, he started to get cocky. He posted on Snapchat that he was at home hiding from the police. <laughs> wow. Wow. So this, so there's a little, there's more of this, but I just have to keep stopping because I keep being appalled. No, um, the, the stopping is more effective. It's like, he gets cocky, posts on Snapchat that he's hiding from the police. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But then we're used to that ridiculousness. Yes. My ridiculous reaction is that he's literally stealing cooking equipment as if he's a serial killer and that he's hiding out from the police. Right. Like This just seems like... Because he has too many frying pans. I'm so grand. Yeah. I stole... Because <laughs> wow. his 323 followers were like, we're impressed, dude. Anyway... So upon seeing the Snapchat where he was hiding from police, a couple of his followers, a couple of his followers, the entirety of his following, <laughs> alt- <laughs> alerted police, duh, who then went and searched his home. Unfortunately, despite the tip-off, police had no luck finding him and called the search off. So so this is what I'm imagining. He steals some cooking equipment because, you know, he's 24 and that's hot, I guess. And then he posts on Snapchat that he's hiding from the police in order to garner respect and adoration from people who like that sort of thing. And then he takes off knowing the police are going to come to get him. Like, it's weirdo. all very, It's to me, when I'm reading this, I feel it's like, 
from a psychological perspective, it's all very planned. Yeah. Um, that's when Christopher posts again, saying that police were in his house, but he's hiding in the cabinet. Oh, God. <laughs> so he posts again and says he's hiding in the cabinet. The police were alerted again by the followers and then searched the cabinets to find pots, pans, and a pair of feet. The feet were attached to Christopher, and he was placed under arrest. Oh, Christopher. Oh, social media. Wow. Like, it doesn't seem real. I mean, no. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do these what the hell's in the beginning, right? Because it's really stranger than fiction, for sure. Yep. It's You don't know how many of these are actually... Yeah. Truth. Yes. I mean, and I also, you know, you know, it's all made up. I do probably. know. The media <laughs> lies to us. Yeah. So, but these are funny. So we like them. <sighs> That's it. Thanks for, you know, playing. Yeah. You're welcome. Sure. So this is Terror Talk. We very um, much appreciate you listening to us and um, tune back in on Friday for our shrink chat show so this is Terra talk my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk if you enjoyed this show there are two things you could do for us subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media as well as writing a review on itunes plus you could check out our patreon page don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.